back the two weeks in a row. Yes. And people I, can see the armor. Right. Uh, so I say two weeks in a row. I guess we haven't... Uh, this will get posted today. The right, next we gotta, week will be posted we got to post. Uh, yeah. So you're going to get a double whammy of uh, Empires of the Future if you are a prime user on Facebook. Right. We drop all content on Friday if you're special. Yeah. Just give us... <laughs> A thousand dollars in a special bank account, and you can be a Prime member, right? right. So, uh, <laughs> last uh, week we did talk about the Olympics, and so if you're interested in that, uh, you'll hear about that. We talked about virtues in the Olympics, mm-hmm. and um, today, obviously, uh, a big story this whole week has been Afghanistan, and we're yep. going to talk about uh, that, but in particular, uh, God in Afghanistan, Christianity in Afghanistan, and including America. And Afghanistan. Yeah, the well, I guess it's. I mean, technically, you can't call it the end of the Afghan war because U.S. troops are there, and then Biden just came out today and said he's willing to send more troops in Afghanistan. So the war's not technically over, but it's still considered the longest American war. Right, is the war in Afghanistan. Right, and it seems to me that there are kind of two approaches that that we need to take uh, in thinking about this, because there's two separate questions that that we are interested in. One is the the question that a lot of people have been focusing on, which is what is this, uh, what does the takeover by the Taliban of Afghanistan mean for American interests? Um, But obviously we want to ask the question, a completely separate question, which is what does it do for Christian witness in Afghanistan? And um, so those are two separate questions. questions that do affect each other mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so we'll look at that today. Yeah. I mean this is a I mean not only is it a, an American issue it's a it's a worldwide issue right mm-hmm. um, this has so many ramifications we're talking missionally it has ramifications uh, human rights issues um, and also just like American foreign policy going forward you know I which was I think was mentioned recently by the Chinese government that hey beware Taiwan because this is this is what the U.S. does. You know, they, they prop you up, they they provide resources, but then when things get hard, they they're not to be they're not they're nowhere to be seen, right? They're out of the country, right? they're right. trying to flee uh, difficulties and challenges, and so this is going to be the talking points for a lot of uh, conversations between Russian and other governments and China and other governments is don't trust the United States because they won't be there for you when when things get tough. Right, it's, uh, there's a lot of themes that I think have come out as we've uh, done this podcast and um, presidents and the the issue, the issues and the era that they live in, I think is one that has come out and uh, we are seeing right now uh, what will be one of the defining uh, moments of President Biden's presidency. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and as, as often is... is talked about in terms of presidents and and their times you don't get to pick no you don't get to pick uh the issues you don't and so certainly uh president biden has has wanted to focus on domestic policy on dealing with things like the covid 19 pandemic and and these sorts of issues uh but this this issue is not only already uh, a big deal and a pressing matter it can become a lot more pressing in an instant right I think, you know, I was even thinking about this when I was reading the newspaper last night, you know, uh, one article surrounded by the issue of Taliban was the infrastructure bill. Um, the problem with even that bill and how it is impacted by what's happening in Afghanistan, if President Obama is seen publicly as less 
politically uh, popular, mm-hmm. well, then that gives him less influence or power into even shaping a domestic issue, right? They do go hand in hand. Right. And, and so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the issue in Afghanistan, how long this thing kind of continues to, you know, obviously right now there's still people in the airport still trying to get out, right? And right. there's still kind of the talking point is there are people, there's Afghan people that have held the United States over the last 20 years that deserve a, they deserve a, a way out, Right. We can't leave them behind, and this has been this is this is seen as Biden doesn't care about these people, but he just wants to be done and wants to move on. Regardless if he believes that or thinks that, that's kind of the, the that's just how people are perspective is mm-hmm. on this issue. And so, if this continues to just keep stretching out and stretching out, this becomes a, an issue where every time you pick up the paper, every time you turn on the television, they're talking about the Afghanistan. They keep talking about people dying and Taliban. They think. The issues like the infrastructure bill will become less and less a priority, um, and um, he will have less and less likelihood of actually passing bills that he wants to pass. So we've been looking at quite a few articles this week, as I'm sure any of you who are reading uh, any newspapers, periodicals uh, this week, this is... Uh, this this has moved to the front of everyone's desk because it affects so many things and because it's so dangerous. Right. Um, so we looked at quite a few articles. Uh, in particular, our first one here is uh, called The Endless Wars Fallacy, The Endless Wars Fallacy uh, by Dan Crenshaw in the Wall Street Journal. He's a Republican representing Texas's second congressional district. He was deployed to Afghanistan in 2012 as a member of the U.S. Navy's SEAL Team 3. Uh, one thing that you're hearing a lot this week is that uh, <laughs> you get a lot of advice as a president, yeah. uh, but that the military advice, right. it's not like we were lacking in intelligence. Right. Uh, it, it is, it, it seems that, yes, while we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years, it looks like there was such a desire on the part of the Biden administration to just get out right. very quickly that that seems to be uh, the prime culprit in the immediate takeover of the Taliban. And that's the, I think that's the danger between a candidacy and actual presidency. Mm-hmm. You know, you make political promises as a can- candidate you think people want to hear, mm-hmm. right? And therefore, hey, I'm going to get us out of Afghanistan because it's unpopular. Yeah. As a candidate, that's what I want to promise. But then you become president and your intelligence briefings change right you get more information i mean president obama made this similar viewpoints when he became president and then changed his view when right. he was president he kind of became more hawkish right exactly yeah, exactly more, and more biden was the vice president and right. actually if you read uh, any of the memoirs of you know president obama's memoir he's very open to say that biden disagreed with the decision to send more troops in afghanistan um but you know president obama in that particular situation listened to his generals and said yeah for the to win this, uh, this, this war, to continue to push uh, terrorist organizations out of the safe haven, we have to continue to put more troops into Afghanistan. Because if we don't, a vacuum will be filled by Taliban, Al-Qaeda, or someone like that. So President Obama made that decision. Now, Trump is, President Trump is really the one who, influ- who, who directly uh, uh, influenced the let's get out. Let's make a deal with the Taliban. Let's figure this out, and let's just be done with the war. Biden definitely, and he he inherited this right. this deal. Right. 
Um, however, uh, I think his his view on wanting just to get out, I think, um, prevented him from thinking. And I think this article gets into that it, this ending the war fallacy is a, the, like a big issue. Sure. That people just want to be done with wars and in a complex world, especially uh, in the Middle East, especially with a, a country like Afghanistan, which historically has been a very uh, corrupt nation, but also just a nation that has never had a stable government ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that it wasn't simply going to be, hey, let's get rid of the Al Qaeda, let's get rid of the Taliban, and all of a sudden there's going to be a stable government, and we'll never have to provide money to it or provide any type of protection or security to it. It can just operate independently from us. I think that was a fallacy or a, a wrong view. Right, and so to fill out, you covered. Uh... I think everyone except for George W. Bush, right. who, uh, you know, look... Who uh, started the war. You, yeah, you and I remember yeah. uh, what the state of the country, what the, sort of the attitude in the country was after September 11th, which was, we've got to find the people who did this. Sure. And um, President Bush, who was quite hawkish, uh, ready to go uh, to war as far as... Uh, the thing about this is some want to operate under economics as a power play sure. and diplomacy in that way, and some are more willing to go to war. And, and so George W. Bush, uh, with the support of the country... Uh, and the support after, of Senator Biden. And, went, yeah, wait, and, <laughs> yeah. and yes, this is the thing for politicians in that time. There are very, very, very few saying, no, let's not go find the terrorists who did this. Everyone was in a state of shock that we right. were as vulnerable as a country. Right. And so, yes, uh, President Bush sent troops into Afghanistan. Uh, eventually, Saddam Hussein was captured, or actually he, he died at the hands of uh, those within the country yeah. there. And, and, and it ended up that uh, the Taliban had a stronghold in Afghanistan, and... We needed to be there and, mm-hmm. and, and invade Afghanistan to shut down that stronghold. Then you move to the next major question, which is, okay, what do we do now? Right. The United States has power in this country that is uh, very different, very, very different than the United States. Um, and that began this story that, that you then carried on and then that we have carried on as a country uh, through President Obama and President Trump and now President Biden. Right. Um, so this is a good place to jump into uh, what Dan Crenshaw has to say about this. So he starts the article saying, quote, Almost everyone agrees that what's happening in Afghanistan is an unmitigated disaster. Mm. Uh, there is no way to whitewash it and few are trying. There's plenty of blame being passed around. Including to the neocons, the generals, and the Afghans themselves. But what got us here was the widespread belief that American foreign policy should be dictated by a simple slogan no more endless wars. The current spokesman for that belief is President Biden. And, and so, immediately, uh, I think one thing that's, uh, that is reasonable to say is that as Americans, we have to be committed to go beyond rhetoric. Right. Wherever you stand on issues, it is much more complicated than simple rhetoric. Right. And, and the rhetoric has uh, has carried the day in a lot of ways, this no more endless wars rhetoric. And uh, it sounds nice, but the problem has been, well, there were there were enormous humanitarian disasters. Right. Uh, and, and not, to, to say disasters, I mean, it wasn't, uh, it sounds like it wasn't perpetrated by uh, human beings. It was. Uh, the... the the Islamic State, Islamic terrorism, is a destructive force in the Middle East and 
if it gains power in the rest of the world. And many of us only came to that understanding because of the events of September 11th. Mm -hmm. And against all of this talk uh, of what have we accomplished uh, we, we wasted 20 years in Afghanistan. Which I think is a, is a wrong statement, but it, go ahead, yeah. It's, yes, yeah. it is. Because, look, I mean, I typically think of 20 years as a generation. There was a generation of stability, yes, at enormous cost to sure. Americans. Right. Uh, in, in terms of lives and then in terms of money, you cannot dismiss that. Uh, there are all kinds of questions, though, about what do you do uh, when there are these uh, crises and we have power, and we can do something about it. Right. It was certainly in, in the interests and the desires of the American people back in 2001 to go after uh, the Taliban. Um, and so, yes, those desires have changed, but once we're there, what do we do next? I think there, there's so many... Like, I think rhetoric is a, is a, great, a great example of, 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 being, of using this as candidates... Mm-hmm. Maybe even using it as as political talking points, but then in reality, when you're when you're in the security room and you're talking to generals and you're talking about to Joint Chief, you're talking to CIA, those words don't work, right? right. They don't. They know, and you now know that that's just not the truth. I mean, and, and, and this viewpoint, like if we want to be like technical, the war in Korea has never ended. Mm-hmm. We currently have military personnel on the border. We currently have the largest minefield in the world that separates North and South Korea, there is technically still a war. There was no peace treaty, right? And what has the, been the byproduct of our, of our presence at that border? Well, South Korea is a ally. They, I mean, some of us drive their cars, right? We, uh, a lot of other technologies and other things come from South Korea. Um, isn't the world better off with a stable South Korea that we continue to be involved in? Doesn't the world benefit from that? Um, There's so many examples of where we still have bases near Russia because there's a a reason why we still build missile defense systems and we want to put them in Eastern Europe. Why? Because we still are at odds with the Russian government. It's not like we have a, a strong bond of peace between the Russians and the United States. So this idea that there is the world will not at war with them. It's like, well, then why are there bases? Why is there personnel? Why do we drop intelligence into those countries? Because we don't trust them. Right. And we're kind of technically still at war against them, right? We're at odds with them. So this idea that getting troops out of Afghanistan, that somehow your hands are clean and you can just move on, is a kind of, is a very, it's an absurd view. And I think anyone who, who knows anything about the real world knows that that you can say that but in reality that's just not the truth um and and by pulling out of afghanistan now what's happened is is the taliban has taken back over and what do you think is going to happen who's now who's now energized or eager about this new situation al-qaeda why because they had a safe haven there in in the past why do you think the taliban won't give it back to them and do you really think the united states is going to be able to do anything about it you know, if, if we find out two years from now that Al-Qaeda has now installed camps in the, or ISIS has established camps in, in Afghanistan because the Taliban allows them, then we're back to square one, aren't we? Well, and, and that is the challenge right now is uh, the Taliban has taken power more yeah. quickly than uh, than. Anyone in the Biden they administration... They took over their first province on the 9th of August. 
Well, yeah, and <laughs> and, the, and we were very open. Uh, the, the Biden administration was very open about uh, the planning. Yes. And so um, the, the move towards power on the part of the Taliban was very straightforward. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give a little background on Afghanistan, if any, uh, like me, is not as familiar uh, with sort of the background of the country. Uh, it's a landlocked nation, mostly mountainous, mm -hmm. which means uh, anytime you're dealing with uh, mountainous geography, much more difficult uh, still. These, this is a problem for military presence, yes. especially ground military right. presence. Right. Uh, the mountains are called the Hindu Kush. Uh, it is largely tribal. There are 14 different recognized tribal groups. Uh, it is not, uh, except in some sort of political sense, as uh, recognized by the United Nations, actually a country. Uh, so it's a territory. And all this is, is just straight from an encyclopedia, right. Britannic article, by the way. So, right. uh, so it's, it's a strategic territory, though, because... Uh, the trade routes, like the old Silk Road route mm -hmm. in Asia and Europe, uh, are there. Yep. And so it's extremely important, and it is at the crossroads of so many different worlds. It's become some of the most strategic territory uh, in the world in terms of military, cultural, political interests. And that goes back 1,700 years, yep. uh, if not longer. Right. And so it is, it is a, a very important place. But if you start looking into uh, the history of Afghanistan... There is sort of a phrase that comes to mind, which is, uh, try to hold it. Yeah, good, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's it's not holdable. I mean, yeah. in terms of world history, right. that, that's a, that's almost just a straightforward. Joke. I mean, uh, if you are curious about even, like, you know, the Russians invaded Afghanistan in the late 80s, and there's an interesting movie called Charlie's War about kind of the CIA's influence on... Uh, pestering the Russians, right, mm -hmm. by supplying the Mahajin with weapons mm -hmm. against the Russians. And so there was, you know, news stories and, and videos of, of uh, American-made Stinger missiles on Afghan shoulders shooting down Russian planes. Right. And so this is how the U.S. fought a war against the Russians, was using Afghanistan as a proxy, right? Mm -hmm. Supplying it. The U.S. never sent troops into that area. They didn't battle against the Russians in hand-to-hand -hand combat or... But they just provided resources, right, right, under the table secretly to the Afghan, Afghan, uh, you know, uh, freedom fighters basically against the Russians. And so the problem with the problem, the reason why it was so successful is it's so mountainous. They they were able to hide in the different mountains and cave and shoot down helicopters, right? Mm -hmm. And they were just a pestering uh, group to the Russians' influence, right? They Russians wanted it as a strategic position uh, to expand its uh, power. But they found that it was, uh, and it literally brought down, the, it was kind of the last thing, gas, I guess, of the Soviet Union, and really kind of brought down the communist regime, right? Because mm -hmm. after that, that was when, you know, the, the, the wall fell, and then that's when Gorbachev basically uh, stepped down from power, and then the Russians, you know, no longer were a communist nation. But mm -hmm. Afghanistan was kind of their Vietnam, right? A place where they invaded and... And, and thought that this was going to be an important uh, strategic position for them, and then ended up being a, a colossal failure and an embarrassment to the Russian people. Well, and uh, thankfully for us, Afghanistan is not uh, nearly so close geographically no. uh, to us as it is to Russia. So uh, part of that story uh, is related to their, uh, their close distance. Sure. Uh, and 
And so... Because uh, a lot of their kind of Central Asian satellites, Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan, mm-hmm. all those were are right next to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was all part of their desire to kind of control Central Asia. Uh, the Russians, we don't have any desire to control Central Asia. Uh, and so... We we're not the Russians in this situation. Our 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 goal was to remove the the Al Qaeda from this haven, uh, remove the Taliban as the as the kind of the lords over the of the territory because they were providing safe havens to terrorist groups. However, you can say that and you can say, well, we accomplished our goal, but if after twenty years, if the Taliban came back into power, well, what do you think? going to be the next step and by that you basically you haven't succeeded right. and and you haven't created a safe uh stable place where terrorism won't flourish or um it's kind of like a weed yeah you pull the weeds and you try to control the weeds but if, if you leave it alone for a long period of time what's going to happen the right. weeds are going to come back right and so uh you know one thing that is has been pretty clear in terms of uh public opinion in in the country is that Again, this phrase "no more endless wars" uh, is 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 popular and gaining steam on uh, both the right and the left, depending on how the question is phrased. Um, but the moves that have been made this quickly uh, are questionable. And here's here's back to the article. What. Uh, Dan Crenshaw says, quote, with this growing impatience, the case for cutting our losses grew stronger, but it fails to acknowledge trade-offs. And this simple question, if we evacuate Afghanistan, what will happen? The no more endless wars crowd always refuse to answer. They prefer to live in a dream world rather than face the reality that our enemies are ideologically opposed to Western civilization and will gladly stage another 9-11 if they have the opportunity and means. They're at war with us, whether or not we are at war with them. Leaving Afghanistan would inevitably create a terrorist safe haven. I think anyone who's going to argue against that, I don't know what logic they would be using to argue against that that statement right there. Yeah, I mean, you could say, well, we don't know that to be sure, but it's like if it, the Taliban, basically, even when you, if you read in the newspaper, even recently, one of the biggest issues is what's going to happen to women, mm-hmm. because during the the nineties and the early well the nineties uh, when the Taliban ruled Afghanistan, women had no right, couldn't drive cars. If they went out in public, they had to wear full burqas, uh, head to toe. They had to cover their entire bodies. Uh, girls were not allowed to go to school. Um, and the since two thousand and one, since the United States invaded Afghanistan. And then established a, de- a democratic country. I understand you can argue, well, they're not, they're corrupt. Well, it's the, 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 the city of Kabul and Afghanistan as a whole is more free today, well, five days ago, than they were before 2001. Women are able to not have to wear full burqas, they're able to drive, they're able to own businesses, and girls are able to go to school. How is that, like, so with that being true, and the Taliban restricted that in the 90s, and the Taliban say, well, you know, we're not going to restrict women anymore as long as it, we're just going to give women the right based off Shiri law. Whatever Islamic law allows, we will allow. Yeah. Well, then that what they were arguing in the 90s? Were they saying we're giving women's rights based off what the Muslim law gives them? Yeah. Do they think that, so the byproduct, the consequences is, is that women's rights are going to go down. Even recently, there are now women having to wear full bulkers in public now. They weren't. They didn't have to do that five days ago, but they have to do that now. And so, if you are on the side of well, you know, 
no endless wars. Well, sometimes you have to be in conflict for the sake of people and groups of people that you want to have more rights to have those rights. And the, the, the viewpoint that they're going to have the same amount of rights a year from now under the Taliban that they had before the Taliban was there, I think it's just, I don't know how you get to that, that explanation or that viewpoint right. or opinion. What and, evidence says otherwise. And to push this uh, even further, there are things that I, I think we can forget uh, about what we have in this country, things such as freedom of speech, mm-hmm. freedom of religion, uh, that, that look like uh, are ending functionally and uh, while while the presentation at the beginning uh, by the Taliban is, is uh, we are a peacekeeping uh, agency, uh, we, we will patrol the streets, stop crime, call this number, we are now your police force. Um, that shifts. Uh, as soon as some other issue takes media attention, yeah. uh, that will shift to will. the enforcement of Sharia law, and right. that is in Kabul. I mean, and one way to think of Afghanistan is like a, an ancient uh, city-state. Very much so. That, listen, uh, it is just, to think of this like country... Four million like people a, live in Kabul? I don't Something know. like, I think, I think since 2001, obviously, with more businesses and more freedoms and with Taliban not being there, you know, it, what's ended up happening is you have this kind of some areas of Kabul that have actually have Western-like yeah. kind of cultural context, right? People going to cafes, yeah. men and women uh, openly without wearing, women not wear burkas or scarves, talking with friends at cafes, right? Yeah. And so stuff that we do, right? This is kind of what's happened over the last 20 years. I mean, there, there are kids and young adults who don't remember the Taliban. Now, all of a sudden, they're ushered into this kind of medieval world, Right. So, yes, and even previous, yes, to medieval times, because you move from a world uh, where you think of ideas like uh, truth and the free pursuit of, of right. truth. Um, so we can follow it this way. Uh, let's shift gears into uh, a Christian perspective. Look, we all have layers of identity, and so speaking, sure. uh, first of all, as we have here as Americans, it does not look like this was in American interests uh, to, to move this quickly. Right. There, are, there are questions that we have about nation building. There are questions that we have about how far we could go with establishing uh, consistent and long-term order. But most agree we owed it to allies and even the general public in Afghanistan to not relinquish power so quickly right. so that people who saw the writing on the wall that this is not a place I want to live anymore could make a move in their life. And, and, it, and it comes down in those cases to, uh, yes, to a lot of, do you have the means to move to a different country? What right. other country? Right. But what you've heard uh, over the last uh, week are heartbreaking stories. People trying to climb into the, landing gear of planes yeah. people standing in lines just you know i have the means to get a visa but we all want them at once right uh this is horrible i mean right. this is this is reprehensible just just given that if you start something even if ratcheting it down is not popular with the public this is where uh this is where governance and leadership 
comes into play, it cannot be about what's popular. It cannot be solely about what's popular with the public, uh, especially in a situation where you kind of go, oh, well, it's been so costly for America. It, It has had a cost. Everybody was for that in 2001. But for the last 18 months, there's not been a U.S. combat death. It is not costly like it was 20 years ago. So there was a shift happening. Um, so th- that's a statement about American interest. Now, look, I have, I've seen reports that I do believe that uh, Christians have been martyred in Afghanistan uh, this week directly because they would not recant their faith. Um, look, Kabul, again, is going to be, uh, there's going to be a PR campaign. Right. In Kabul, there's a lot happening in the country as a whole that we won't hear about for years, and some that we won't won't hear about ever. Right, right. And this this is not a situation where uh, where it promotes any sort of safety or consistency or freedom of thought or pursuit right. uh, in, in the way that most of us take for granted, and. That should be a grave concern for everyone. Yeah, especially there's so much to gain. uh, And I think the viewpoint that, well, what more do we have to invest to benefit from a free and stable Afghanistan? Um, Who knows? You you don't know how long. Maybe maybe the U.S. has a base in Afghanistan. Maybe there's personnel in Afghanistan. Maybe the U.S. is still supporting the Afghan forces or the government with money and things like that, which we do to tons of nations, right? We give money to African nations. We give money to Asian nations. We continue to do this, right? We've given given money to South American nations to fight uh, drug cartels. We've been doing this for years. So this idea that, well, we need to stop giving money to the Afghan government. They need to take care of themselves. We don't do that with a lot of countries, well, and that's because, uh, again, shifting back to uh, thinking in terms of our country, well, economics is always warfare to a yes, degree. Right. You are always promoting people that you agree with right. and who share your interests. Right. And the way, short of going to war, to discourage yes, uh, right. countries from uh, pursuing technology you don't like is economic sanctions. Okay, sanctions, yeah. and, and it's so trade is... is uh, Conflict is endemic. Yes. It, it is a part of what exists in this broken world. Right. And economics is always a part of that conflict. So it, it doesn't make sense. It, it is a not thought out notion to go, well, why are we propping up right. governments like you? <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's, it, is, it is an ineconomic calculation because yes. it is more costly yes. to let them descend into warfare to, uh, to promote chaos and yep. destruction and then... This is a very obvious situation where 20 years ago, construction came to, or destruction came to our doorstep when nobody, it seemed, expected it. Right. Uh, Especially the public. Right. And and I I think you mentioned yeah we hadn't had a we hadn't had a military death in Afghanistan in 18 years. Um, months. But I'm sorry, yeah, 18 months. Yeah, 18 years is completely off. 18 months. Um, and then and he, obviously there was some improvement there. Um, and it seemed like the Afghan country and the, na- the government itself and the forces, their army and their military, needed more attention. They needed more guidance. They needed more propping up. They needed more investment from the U.S. government over an extended amount of time. Again, we still have personnel in Korea. Right. We still have personnel in a lot of places around the world that we have had to 
we've had conflicts where we've had to invade or initiate with. So like this is a this is a common thing. The U.S. government still has a base in Germany that was started after World War II. So this is not new. We continue to do this because we think it's important. We think it's it's better to have a presence in a nation that you're influencing. It's easier to, when you already have that presence than to gain that presence. Right. The U.S. already had that presence in Afghanistan, which is a strategic uh, territory and position when it comes to influence to directly dealing with Russia, dealing with ch- with China. Yeah. Um, the U.S. had that there, um, and also if there is ever any type of Al Qaeda or ISIS terrorist group cells in Afghanistan, well, it's easier to deal with that if you have personnel already in the country than it is to have to bring those people over from an extended place. Um, there's just too much to gain and there's too much to lose. And it seems like the U.S. government, the Biden administration, decided to, to side on, well, there's just there's too much investment. We've been asked to do too much. It's best for us just to completely withdraw. Yeah. Uh, and there's too many consequences and too many negative things that potentially may come out of this by quickly withdrawing. Yeah, yeah and uh, I want to say, too, that it is a little more complicated question when you say, well, what does this do to uh, Christian witness in Afghanistan? Yeah. Um, and and what it does, uh, one, uh, without the protection of uh, the U.S. government and allies, you know, look, uh, Christians will die. We pray yeah. for the faithfulness of, of Christians there. Um, but you know the, the Bible says that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, and uh, I very much believe that uh, the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. That as uh, This is an instance of, uh, of, frankly, followers of Muhammad in a certain, uh, in a certain way using power mm-hmm. to gain what they believe is an upper hand. But the story of Christianity through the last 2,000 years has been uh, starting with our founder, Christ, who dies for his enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the power that that has shown to have to change hearts into, uh, into a whole different thing is going to go forward. And so it is grievous, and we should all be praying. Uh, Christians should be praying for believers in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, but Christians can, can be killed, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't end uh, there. So I think that maybe is another kind of issue that this brings up and I, and I, I think I think as, as an American Christians who we so we've had we've had our issues recently with uh, religious rights and religious liberties and things but and, and kind of a, and a comprehensive view we have a lot of freedoms religiously in the United States right um, we are able to worship freely the government's not reading our sermons and, and making us change things that they do in China and other places mm-hmm. we have we have freedom here and I think as Americans, we should pray and hope that other countries, and especially our brothers and sisters, have similar freedom, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the best interest of the church there and also in the best interest of missions right. when they're stable governments, right? Simple things like this. If the government provides safe travel from your home to church, that's in the benefit of the church, right? Mm-hmm. People can get to worship safely, right? They're not afraid that they're going to get shot 
or run off the road right. or uh, these type of things. So stable governments help uh, weekly worship. They help in the opportunity that I can literally sit down in a coffee shop or go to my friend's home and share the gospel with them, and I'm not afraid that I'm going to go to prison. Like mm-hmm. that's in the benefit of the church. I think as Christians, when we when we voice our opinions, when we think about political complicated political views, I get they're complicated, but sometimes our agreement to like even America first mentality, I don't think that benefits our fellow brothers and sisters around the world. Because if we say things like America first, well. A lot of times, this kind of endless war fallacy comes from this idea. It's too much investment, too much money spent overseas, less money spent at home. We need to spend more money at home and take care of our needs and our issues. Well, when we do that, well, then you get political positions like this one. Mm -hmm. It's too much of a cost. We need to focus on infrastructure. We need to focus on our own issues. Let Afghanistan figure figure out their own issues. We've already spent enough money and blood there. The problem with that is, is what you have going on now. And we should be hoping and praying and hoping our country helps create stable governments around the world. I'm not saying that they have to be like constitutional republics. I'm not saying that they have to have the Senate and House and a president. I'm not saying they have to look like America. But I think it benefits our brothers and sisters in the church and countries like Afghanistan and other countries when they have stable governments. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying like that we have um, court cases that are trying to argue for liberty and democracy in some areas. I mean, Afghanistan has been a democracy for literally a night, right? They've, they need more time of developing. But still, in the long run, it benefits our brothers and sisters when there's stability and they're not afraid if I say I'm a Christian that they're going to get shot in the head. Because that's probably going to happen if the Taliban finds out they're a Christian or they're a pastor, they're going to get shot in the head or they're going to go to prison. You know, and uh, the, the rapid and the miscalculated move means that the follow-up, which there are plenty of discussions about refugees now, and, and look, we, th- this country has benefited from refugees. Right. Uh, this country has benefited from immigration, uh, for the entirety of our existence. What this does, unfortunately, is it's true that we can't just say open all the borders. Citizenship always has cost something in in, in all countries that have had rights because it's not, it's not free. Right. Uh, Healthcare isn't free. No, sir. Uh, It's a, you, you, it takes a lot of investment to get the medicines and uh, the infrastructure that we have, and that's why citizenship is important, mm-hmm. both in in understanding what it means and appreciating that, that you have citizenship. But what what this leads to when you have a hasty withdrawal is how do you how do you properly follow up a bad military decision mm-hmm. and a bad political decision? Mm-hmm. Well, you you are setting up a bad follow up. Right. Which is invariably where we're going to be, not just now, uh, but for the foreseeable future. Right. Because it's not just as simple as, oh, well, you know, send all the planes we have over and, and where you want to put, you know, all, well, 14 territory or 14 uh, tribes, that is. Uh, where do you want to put people who would go, I don't know what's going to happen. I guess I'll get out depending on what you have for me. Right. You, you just can't 
it doesn't it's not realistic it doesn't make sense right just to have that attitude so again it's it's more than slogans is what we need uh we need better plans than this and, and i think you know i don't know if maybe the last biden and trump is this have really struggled with this identity but the american president there's a reason why they're called the leader of the free world mm-hmm. right and i don't think the president of the united states just stopped being that leader of the free world and well, I think it's come into conflict, especially with President Trump. Um, but I think the, US, the world's looking to the United States as a leader. And when, it, when issues like this happens, it, it makes it a little bit harder to be the leader of the free world. It's, mm-hmm. it, and that's why we mentioned earlier on, it's like, you know, Taiwan is relying on the United States to help it have some sense of independence and freedom from a, from a government that literally wants to eat them whole. Yeah. I mean, they already did it with Hong Kong. Do you not think the, the Chinese are now directing all their attentions on gobbling up Taiwan to join them in as them as again, we're all Chinese, right? Taiwan wants independence. They have an identity separate from the Chinese. Right. The US is their backers. They they the US is supposed to defend and help protect Taiwan. Well, what happens when Afghanistan happens? Taiwan's a little less trusting or a little less confident in the US US's involvement. Are they gonna go, well, it's just too costly? I mean, you're Taiwan. You deal with your own issues, and we'll deal with our issues. You know, do the best you can. You know, Godspeed. Right. And I think that is, it's uh, appalling as a leadership. It's appalling. It, it, I think America is struggling to understand its identity. We've talked about this a lot. America is looked to as the world as a leader and of democracy and freedom. And for a long time, we have kind of used that as a badge of honor. That's what we are. We're the city on a hill. I think recently, over the last several years, we're like, no, nah, I don't know if we're really the city on the hill anymore. I think we're kind of just we're one among many. We're just one among many. It's so like, you, your history does not, it, you're denying your history and heritage. Well, I don't think we're a city on a hill in that uh, sense. Sure, sure, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but the principles that flourished in Europe and then... In, 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 in a lot of ways migrated over to the United States where, look, economic power, a lot of things made the United States come to this powerful position in the world. Uh, we now look at a world and have this power. And yes, look, uh, and wealth. With, yeah. Yes, with wealth and power, you have responsibility and even another... Let's use the Spider-Man in quotation. There you go. I mean, there there it is. Great responsibility. I mean, it's, it's the truth. But then the <laughs> other thing is, is that as, as we've understood how the world is, is interlocked and, yes. and related, it's just not as simple as, well, let's wait till things go really wrong and then we'll make a move. Yeah. Well, that's foolish. That's very foolish. That is, uh, you can't undo those things. And then secondly, uh, you can understand the forces there at work a lot of the time yes. and move premature to a very horrible humanitarian uh, disaster or a crisis uh, like what we have now in Afghanistan. And so um, this move, I mean, here's, again, well, this is the last quote uh, from uh, this Dan Crenshaw article. Uh, Quote, America didn't lose a war or even end one. We gave up on a strategic national security interest. We gave up on our Afghan allies, expecting them to stave off a ruthless insurgency without our crucial support, which came at a minimal cost to us. That's just basic facts. Well, mm-hmm. and, and look, we there was plenty of money still in Afghanistan. That A lot of it was logistical support. It was air support. But when we pulled out this quickly, the 
Afghan army was not able, and because of that, not willing uh, to die. Well, I read recently. I read today that as the Taliban was pursue as you know making its march, that Afghan army soldiers were not have yet to be paid in months. Right. So what the Taliban did said, all right, we'll give you 150 bucks. Here you go. So what do you think they're going to do? Oh, here's my gun. You know, like, so that is like by pulling away, by not being that, that force that says, hey, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. Because, and, and if, what's going to happen is, is soldiers are going to like, well, I might as well side with the one that's winning because I'm not even getting paid over here anyways. And so, and there's some corruption going on here, and I don't agree with the corruption, and maybe these guys won't be as corrupt as these guys. And so the U.S. just kind of, like, puts their hands up and goes, well, we're not in charge, right? I mean, it's, it's up to you all what you want to do. Like, yeah. that's just, like, I mean, we don't do that with our children. We don't go, well, our hands are up. Hey, well, y'all figure it out. You know, y'all, y'all, are, y'all know how to talk, and y'all know how to eat. Y'all figure out what you need to do, and we'll just kind of stand on the sidelines in case things get really bad. Yeah. It's just, that's not how in real, the real world, you deal with stuff. Right. And as far as internal matters uh, with Afghanistan, I did want to uh, add one quote from uh, This is Not the Taliban 2.0 is the article by Graham Wood. Uh, this is in The Atlantic. Mm. Uh, the byline is, the group's claims of, of having changed are probably more reassuring to those unfamiliar with its history. Uh, the Taliban has been around long enough to know you need some basic PR. Right. They've been schooled. Right, and then you should tell people, we're here as a peacekeeping agency, we intend to respect everyone, Uh, we're not what you've heard about. Um, The opening paragraph of uh, how in 1996, when the Taliban previously took power, what uh, they said, said peace and safety, basically, and then uh, what, what was done to the previous president... Uh, was horrific, and uh, if you want to see what exactly was done to him, you can look at the article yourself. There is a way, uh, a Machiavellian way. Yes. You, you, you are, for a while, political operatives have known, well, put on a smile. Why not right. put on a smile when you're in public? Right. Convince whoever you can right. that you intend to be a good guy and be patient and respectful of everyone. And then do whatever uh, power-grabbing and uh, bullying maneuvers you can in secret. Yeah. If they become known, uh, you know, you can't exactly control that, but maybe right. they won't become known. Right. And then all, all people know is the smile. Right. Um, but, but here's the quote from Graham Wood. Quote, the Taliban has once again declared a general amnesty and asked everyone to show up for work in the morning and prepare to unite behind a Taliban government that will rule according to Islamic law. But perhaps, the group has suggested, not in the harsh manner that it made infamous, uh, that made it infamous during its rule from 1996 to 2001. Uh, women can continue their education so long as they wear the hijab, and the Taliban will guarantee human rights and freedoms of speech and expression, it said, so long as they comply with Sharia. Spoiler, uh, the Taliban does not believe they do, right. uh, he says. And, and again, uh, rhetoric, as history shows, yes. can be used by everyone. Uh, but the facts on the ground show otherwise. I've written some quotes that similarly, it's the, the spokesman for the Taliban's like, yeah, I mean, women are going to have rights here. I mean, the rights that are consistent with Islamic law, Islam, you know, laws that are consistent with Sharia law. I mean, 
we're not going to go beyond that. We're not going to restrict you more than it, the, the Quran restricts you on. Right. We're, we're going to be consistent with that. And you're a Muslim woman, so we're just going to be consistent with what you already agree with, right? right. And it's very, very, like, smart language that is used, but there are subtle layers to it that you realize that, you know, get ready because what you have grown accustomed to over the last 20 years are going to go away. Yeah. And and you're going to be restricted. And because we are your protectors um, and we're, we know what's best for you and you just need to fall in line. And that's already happening even in a short amount of time and will grow and grow and grow over the next month and years uh, in Afghanistan for... For people, and I feel it's really sad for especially young adults, like I said before, who have grown accustomed to a world that is far different than the world of 1996, 2001. I mean, with businesses and cafes um, and and Western things, um, a city that, yes, still dealing with poverty, still dealing with a lot of issues, right? I mean, Afghanistan is not the richest country in Central Asia by any means, but far more uh, free and far more uh, um, having resources and, and, and economics and having things and materials that they didn't have before, and they've come accustomed to those things, and now those things will be quickly pulled from their society, and it's not to their betterment at all. Maybe. So... Um, I think this is a, a really sad issue. I, I I think you're kind of put in a situation of, like, what do, what are we supposed to do about it? Yeah. I mean, it's in a world totally different than our own. And to be honest, this is and it's come up a little bit. And Americans have forgotten about Afghanistan because it's been this long war for 20 years, right? We've kind of forgotten about it. Uh, Osama bin Laden was killed, right? Like we've kind of forgotten about it as if it's a place that we we do have like an investment in right. and I don't know what the and we, maybe this is for another, another conversation but I don't know what the American psyche or view on this going forward is it an embarrassment is it like well you know that was you know it happens kind of thing and you just kind of like ignore it and forget about it and just kind of fall into your comfortable life here in America or is this kind of seen as like a more of a more of like a, 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 a warning of what does it mean for America to be involved in the world? And really, is it is it actually better for people that America is involved in these governments? Are people do they have more freedoms? Are their life less threatened by death or violence when we're involved? Yeah. And if that if that is the byproduct of our involvement, isn't it? Then shouldn't we support that? And I wonder what that will do to the American psyche, or will it just kind of get forgotten as more stories on other issues around the world become priority for CNN or Fox News or Wall Street Journal or whatever, and people read less about what's going on in Afghanistan, and people watch less things on Af- about Afghanistan, and they just kind of forget about it. Right. I, the lesson for me here is uh, responsibility. Uh, we started something we did. here. and. It is fundamentally irresponsible to remove ourselves from it in such a way that directly leads to uh, this much suffering, mm-hmm. this immediate of a power conversion of a uh, regime change that 
that does not give people uh, the time to to assess a situation and move in, in a right way. Uh, that that I think is the first takeaway. You know, look wh- wherever anyone might stand on a political uh, spectrum, we all take things for granted that are byproducts of growing up. Uh, in this country, it, it is wonderful to have the chance to think issues through, yep. and it not lead to the death of family members or the starvation of, uh, and that is a, a byproduct of living here, though in, in this country that we don't have to deal with that. And so, to offer that to other people is a powerful thing. It and, is, and some of the soft power of America, and hard power, and soft power is these things, right? And I mean, you read, you can read stories about other nations and other leaders who, who now have more freedom and, and more rights, and just the, how better that is. Yeah. And as Americans, we did not somehow fight, discover in the ground freedom and liberty and human rights. That's not something we found on some mountain. Right. It's something that was given by God, and it's something that we don't, selfishly hold upon right right and these it's are... something we should share and, and fight for because we and i think this is some of the issues with you know thomas jefferson the reason why he thought the u.s should be more involved in france is because he believed that this is something we need to promote right. now there's political issues and disagreements on that when it comes to english and that that's different that's fine but still like i think the viewpoint and the and, and the philosophy of is is that we didn't find this somewhere right this is something we need to cherish and one way to cherish that is to fight for it in places that don't have it. Right. I mean, these are conclusions about uh, what it is to thrive as a human. Isn't right. It? I mean, things like, one, you, you cannot, not only that you should not, but that you cannot convert someone by force. You can't. To your religion. You can't. Uh, that is a powerful conclusion. Yeah. Uh, that, that is a conclusion about human thriving. Right. That that is, that is the best way to handle the situation. And keep in mind... Uh, that's something that we have here that is not being promoted in Afghanistan. And so uh, I think for me today, those are the fundamental things that, that I want to say. We Responsibility, this is a lesson in responsibility, but it's also a lesson in uh, the conclusions of our forebears about what is a, the most human way to treat people. Yeah. Uh, and, and certainly uh, some things to be thankful for about how... We don't have to be concerned right here the way that a lot of people in Afghanistan do. Yeah, that's a, and we definitely should, as Christians, pray that God would protect our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Um, also pray, and we know this to be, sh- to be true, but we pray for it anyways because God commands us to pray for it and hope for it, is that the gospel would go forth into a land full of darkness. Um, and, and obviously we know that God is in control um, we know that God is in control of what's happening right now on the ground in Afghanistan. Um, and we know that God has a greater plan. Um, and we hope that a part of that plan um, in our lifetime especially is that the gospel would go forth into that nation and that um, that Taliban leaders would proclaim Jesus as Lord and King. Um, and that would be an amazing uh, event and testimony of the greatness of God in Christ. So that's what we hope for. Absolutely. Um, so... This has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future. We'll see you in the future.